Welcome to This Is How We Die, a podcast about cities, infrastructure, disasters, and how you can survive. I'm Megan. And I'm Megan. And we have a podcast about disasters, and we're living in a disaster. So obviously, we're recording every day and bringing you fresh content every minute. And our Instagram has been touched in the last four months, right? That's so not factually accurate, Megan. That's right. We pretty much disappeared. Yeah, we're like, guys, we're starting season two. It's going to be amazing. And then, and then the pandemic actually happened. And, and it turns out when a disaster happens, they need their disaster people, which is us. Well, let me just say, I'm as grateful as I can be that I left my emergency management job um, prior (laughs) to this all happening, but I'm no longer an emergency manager, but I do work as a business continuity planner. So it's my job to make sure that our business doesn't get disrupted or have issues when there's major disruptions to the world. And we're in um, quite possibly the most major disruption to the world anyone could have ever imagined. And I'm an economist for the government, um, and I've been pulled onto a lot of COVID trackers. Obviously, is because people want to know what's going to happen to the economy. So it's it's been it's been a lot for both of us, and so we have not been able to record because we've been busy trying to to do our jobs effectively. I mean, can't you tell we just sound really tired? <laughs> okay, no, I'm no excited. I well, it's just like whenever we think, whenever I think about the past you know, like six months. I'm like, oh, yes, like six months and seven eons ago. Like, it just seems like another world away. Back before, like every day, like every email kind of makes your heart sink a little bit. This is why we're going to talk about the tale of two cities today. Um, Because I'm in a city which is doing its best. We were the first city to get really like hit with the COVID crisis. And we've been working really, really hard for a very long time to keep our cases down, which we've been more or less successful with. And then there's Megan's new city. Yep. which So Megan's back in Seattle where people are actually trying. And I'm in Austin, Texas, where um, we started reopening in mid-May because the pandemic wasn't exciting enough for us. We kept our numbers low and people thought that that meant that we couldn't possibly get it, not that being locked down was actually beneficial and actually, uh, you know, prevented people from getting it. So uh, Austin was just this last week, the White House came out and said that we have the highest positivity rate of any metro area in the country and that Texas cities make up four of the top five cities um, on that list. So things are pretty much like, out of control starting to look like New York numbers here in Texas while Seattle slowly tries to reopen. Um, and, you know, cases are controlled enough that you can have autonomous zones in your downtown. I mean, I don't think anything's controlled enough for that. That's been, <laughs> that, that was, that, that was, a, that was something that just came out of like left field. And like, that was an interesting phone call. It's like, okay, so I know it's happening today. And they're like, well, actually, and I was like, but what? <laughs> a an autonomous zone, and you say that some of them, but not all of them, are leaning towards Marxist-Lenin theory. Um, I have mixed feelings about this. As long as but, they're leaning towards masks, I'm pretty okay with it. 
yeah, that's the thing is is like these ma- these people are wearing their masks. Like I've seen them, um, all the protesters for the most part, they've been wearing masks. Like, they have been very good about it. So considering considering that we're in the middle of a pandemic, uh, it's somewhat amazing that we haven't seen a surge in cases. However, of course, we haven't seen a surge in cases yet. Uh, we have watched our positivity rate go from like 3.2% up to 5%, but we're still like, we're still like managing it okay. Um, so Before, Megan, tell us a little bit about um, how things are going down in Austin. Oh, I was gonna ask you a question. <laughs> okay. Um, before we go too much further, I was gonna ask you, why does the positivity rate matter? The positivity rate is, so these are just the people that have been tested, right? So this means that they have had, um, that they have COVID basically, or that they had it, even if they had it asymptomatically. But for every person, as we all know, there isn't enough testing, right? So for every person who's tested positive, there's probably five more people who also are positive who have not been tested. Um, A big problem is that we do have so many asymptomatic asymptomatic people and they're just walking around, obviously without any idea that they can infect other people. Um, So the higher the rate of positivity you have to think that if they say that there's 3,000 cases, there's probably at least, you know, 15,000 cases. Um, a lot of them will be asymptomatic. A lot of them will never know, but you never know who they could give it to. And so that's kind of the the risk of it. There's also the antibody situation, which is, you know, there's right now the science is very bizarre about the relationship of virus load to antibodies. And some people who've died you see that they have no antibodies and some people that have died, you can see that they have crazy amounts of antibodies. Um, it seems to be people who have like a middle amount of, of antibodies that seem to be okay. Um, but if you are one of the people that are hospitalized, you know, you're, the, the death rate does seem low, but that's only if you don't get sick and have to be hospitalized, then it, then it gets much higher. So um, it's important to remember too, is that if you have, if you take the antibody test, we don't know which antibodies confer immunity. And so even if you have the antibodies, we don't know which of them confer immunity if you have those ones. And we also don't know how much immunity and for how long that lasts. So a antibody test does not, if you say, if it says you have antibodies, that does not mean that you're immune. That's important to remember. I would also add that it's a common misconception that people have that if you do more testing, you'll have worse numbers. That like, it it sounds like it's meretitious. Like it sounds on paper like, yes, of course, the more people you test, the more like asymptomatic coronavirus carriers you're going to uncover and the higher your numbers are going to be because, you know, you wouldn't know that people had it if you didn't test them. But truly, like, yes, your numbers will go up, you'll have, you'll know more of your cases, but the positivity rate helps you understand, like, in relation to the rest of your population, how many is that? Um, Because really, the more testing you do, the lower that should become, because you're doing extreme contact tracing to everyone that somebody has been in contact with. Um, You're testing people who have any form of symptoms, just to see if it's COVID. So, you know, doing more testing actually gives you a better idea of how like prevalent in your population it is, 
assuming that your positivity rate is, it should really be below 5%. Um, our government here aims for less than 10%. But, you know, if you're if you're seeing 100% positivity rate, it doesn't mean like 100% of the people in your area have COVID. It means they're only testing people who obviously have COVID. Yeah. And so, so that's also the thing. It's like whenever you're trying to actually get the the rates, right, like the fatality rates and the uh, mortality rates, which are different. And so you can only really get that if you actually get some of the people who are asymptomatic and aren't dying, right? Like if you only test the people who are sick, then your numbers are skewed. And that's why we've had so much trouble figuring out what the actual mortality rate is of COVID because it's every country has reacted to it differently. And every, even in between states to states, they've had different ways of collecting the data. Um, so like COVID is a very tricky beast. It's a very like, tricky virus um to begin with but also the way that we've hand (laughs) and but also the way that we've been managing our testing of it has also not because it's not been standardized uh that's also added to the confusion what also adds to the confusion is the i mean the lack of leadership and the lack of good information coming out um like some of this is like frustrating in the way that it was covered from the beginning. Like I, I don't think I totally forgive the who from making this emphasis that like 80% of cases were mild because I still hear people repeat back that statistic. And firstly, like a mild case of COVID still can like knock you for a loop for weeks. It really just means you weren't hospitalized. And secondly, we don't, know what the long-term impacts of it are yet. They're seeing like impacts to people's lungs. They're seeing impacts to like long-term impacts to people's neurological systems. And so to just have been kind of like, oh, it's okay because it's mild in most people. Um, and that being like this thing that really stuck in like the international consciousness about this is like really frustrating to see. Um, and it, it makes sense from the WHO perspective. It makes sense for epidemiologists to be like, this is what we know right now. That's how scientists talk. And then that's not how um, the general population like thinks or accepts things. Yeah. And speaking to what Megan just said, like, I mean, the recovery from COVID is pretty horrendous. Like people need lung transplants. People that are in their 30s are getting like grandma strokes, which normally only happens in like your 70s and 80s. Like you, no matter how, and it's the, I think there's also this idea that like, oh, you have to have a compromised immune system. But you don't know if your immune system is compromised. There have been very people, the people that look extremely healthy, they're like 22 years old, who's, who are end up dead over this. And so this isn't something to play around with at all. Um, and there's, there is this lightheartedness, or not lightheartedness, but uh, blase, blase, like people are just blase about it. They're like, oh, like I want to go shopping. I miss shopping. Well, you would also miss your lung. So Think about that. And maybe also your grandma would like her lungs to say like, you know, just, just, just think it, just think it through, just think it through people because it's, it's been hard for me to see people that I, people like, you know, traveling and not wearing masks and, and, and I get it. Like I miss being in the world too, but I also like being on this world. So, and I don't want anyone else to not be in this world. Yeah. It's extremely hard as people who work in this not to be angry, not to 
be really frustrated with people who want to call it a hoax or who like want to throw fits about wearing face coverings and like want to like insist on going back to work when what they should be insisting on is the government they've given so very, very much money to doing the job of a government when it comes to a massive pandemic. Like it's really hard to see people spouting off on social media about like how this is, this is a time you should be embracing and really like taking advantage of this break you have from the world or, um, you know, posting pictures of sheep wearing masks when like it, it's statistically one of the only things that we've seen that's going to help like prevent the spread. And it's just so infuriating to work in every single day. Let's talk about positivity versus optimism. We are subject as citizens of the United States to this horrible tyranny of the power of positive thinking. Um, It is a book that came out, but it's also this weird thing that we have in our culture where you're like, well, you know, my grandma died. And people are like, well, she had a great life. And you're like, yeah, but I'm sad, right? And it's there's this idea that if somebody's upset or sad or hurt or scared that the thing that you have to say is something positive to them and you have to feel positive. And then there's almost this judgment if you are not positive. You know, they're like, oh, well, you know, you're never going to improve it. You're just going to stay so negative about it. And to those people, I say, we are living in a dumpster fire life right now. We are dumpster <laughs> fires. Like all of us, we're here now. This is our life. This is where we reside. It's okay. Things are not good. Things are terrible. If you're sitting in a fire saying that you feel cool, you're insane. And also, it's not going to help you. So it's okay to say, I'm not okay. Nothing that this is okay. I'm angry. I'm mad. But that doesn't mean you can't be optimistic about the future. And I believe, I have to believe, and I think, Megan, you also believe that this is maybe one of the few things, it's very rare that the United States has a moment of introspection and our existential crisis, right? Because so this is our time to sit and think and think about how we can make our country better, how we can be better people, um, how we can help those in need. And all of our biggest achievements as a country have happened after times of like great suffering, right? So it was only because we had the Great Depression that we have Social Security now and that we have pensions and retirements and that we have and unemployment, we have these safety nets for for people because of what happened with the Great Depression. And it's, and so right now we're going to go into something and it's going to be hard, but we're going to come up the better for it. And that's my, that's my speech on optimism. Did you like it, Megan? I tried really hard. I love, I loved it because normally, like, I feel like we're switching roles between who's like, the grouchy one who doesn't think that like humans can get any better and who's like the (laughs) cheerful one who thinks everything will just be okay. But that's because normally I have a plan for everything. I have a plan for everything. And I almost feel like an actual failure that I didn't plan for moving across the country, starting a new job. And then within six months having a like international pandemic like I sort of feel like wow Megan you really dropped the ball on that how have you (laughs) having anxiety nightmares about this and then writing a plan for how you'll manage it like where have you been (laughs) you just thought that life is gonna go okay I guess I guess for me you know I I think the thing that I'm I'm a subject matter expert in failing 
like I'm very good at failing quite epically or having like the most like like <laughs> uncertainty is something I'm very good at because I've had so many situations where I'm like, well, that's going to turn out the way I thought it was going to like, but here we are. Like now what? Um, and you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to go back to like just so many things in my life have fallen apart that I have no expectations that they'll go according to plan. So I was like, yeah, this seems right. This seems like what's gonna. This seems like what would happen right now, right? And so it's like every month when something new, new and terrible happens, I'm like, that that feels right. That seems like that. Of course, that would happen. Whereas, yeah, like you're having very much like you're like, wait, what's this happening? Like this isn't supposed to happen, you know, because you've lived a normal life. And I'm, I guess I'm just abnormal. I'm like, yes, of course. <laughs> join me. Everyone join me in a dumpster fire. I've been here all along. Um, um, so normally on this podcast, we tell you how you're going to die, but we're done with death Too dark. Right now. Too dark. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we're turning to optimism and we're telling you how, how you're going to survive this. And um, I think the number one thing is, uh, you know, you the basics have been there since the beginning, the hand washing, the keeping a distance from other people. Now we're throwing masks in because they're actually showing to be a really good way of um, preventing people from spitting all over each other all the time. Little did we know prior to this, how much of our life we were just running around spitting on one another. Um, but now we know, and now we can change that behavior. Maybe learn to talk a little bit better. Um, I would actually still stockpile food. Um, you're going to be fine with water. Don't worry about water. But um, we are seeing some some failures of the food supply chain that will probably take effect in August or September. Um, if you really love burgers, like, I don't have to tell you. Like, it's going to be really expensive. <laughs> the outbreaks we're having in Texas are not without consequence to the entire nation. And um, we're already starting to see shortages and limitations on what we're allowed to buy. Uh, we've been limited to only one brisket each trip to the grocery store, which is like torture for Texans. So uh, just expect beef prices to get really high. Expect meat prices in general to um, start to take off. Yeah, like meat will become more expensive, chicken as well, um, because of the pro a lot of the processing plants. But even our vegetables, uh, a lot of, I mean, normally people have to, people forget this, but whenever you eat the fruit and the vegetables, like they've been picked some by somebody, it's been harvested by someone and we haven't had the harvesting ability. And so their food prices will go up. Um, I do not think there will be a scarcity, um, but there could be. And so just as a, you know, as a cautionary thing, I've, you should stockpile some food. Um, I've recently discovered evaporated milk. I cannot recommend it highly enough. I put it in my coffee. It's much better than regular milk. I ran out of coffee. I ran out of milk this morning, so I broke into my stockpile for it. Yeah, and it I, was the best. <laughs> I saw your Instagram story about how excited you were about this. I mean, it's like amazing. I couldn't believe how tasty it was. Um, so I'm See, a big fan so of. That's that's our podcast. Uh, when life hands you a shortage of milk, uh, pull out your evaporated, evaporated milk? milk. Yeah, it's, it's tasty. <laughs> and then I've been uh, like, like the way I stockpile tuna at the end of the day, like the only thing you really need in this world is tuna. It's lots of protein. It's lean. It's still, it's delicious. I love tuna. Um, 
Try to brag about your excellent diet again. No, 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 no. I, I put like all the mayonnaise in it. Like you don't even understand how unhealthy I make mine. But uh, <laughs> eggs, I've been trying to freeze them. It's not worked out at all. I'm doing something horribly wrong with um, raisins. Yeah, you I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I just wanted to see if it would work. It doesn't. Um, or at least the way that I've been doing it. But yeah, so just like stockpile some food so you don't have to like worry about it uh, is what I would say. Um, even just like save money down the line whenever it gets more expensive. Um, but don't panic. Don't like, don't do like a run on toilet paper like they did before. That was lunacy. Um, what else would you say? Megan, what's other advice? <laughs> um, no, I think that about covers it. Honestly, like, I guess the guidance has been so bad. When we talk about how Seattle's dealt with things and then how we've dealt with things here in Texas, I think that one of the common threads is just how confusing the guidance is, how disparate it is across the country and in different cities. Um, like the, the range of reactions people have to this from like literally going into crowded bars and coughing all over each other and refusing to wear masks. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I've just seen this huge range because on the other end, you have people who've totally locked themselves into their homes, won't even go on walks, like, disinfect their groceries before they come into the house and like are afraid to bring in their mail and like neither end of that extreme is necessary. Like we're not seeing massive case jumps because people like brought their groceries into their house. Like we literally have people coughing on each other and gathering at beaches and having graduation parties. And that's where we're seeing our huge spikes from. We're not seeing it um, because like somebody went on a walk in their neighborhood and stayed away from everybody else and did or did not wear a mask while exercising. Like you don't need to be on either extreme. You just wear a mask when you're indoors with people, you limit your interactions with people and you treat 15 minutes as like a tipping point where you've fully accepted that whatever they have, you're going to have if you're going to spend close contact time with them. And we're going to, we're going to make it through. See, see that <laughs> you hear that optimism. Yeah, no. Yeah. That was optimistic. We're doing good. We're doing great. Um, a lot. And so, okay. The last part is mental health, right? Because it's been, it's been rough going. I'm sure you can hear it in her voice and my voice. Well, you're, you actually, you sound okay. Somehow. I really, I feel like my brain is made of a block of concrete filled with scrambled eggs. And I feel that, at the end of every day, I have a screaming headache and have lost have lost the will to function. And then I watch The Office until I fall asleep. And then in the morning, I start over again. Yeah. Also, actually, and somewhere that's... in there, I care for a three year old who's home while I'm working. <laughs> okay. So actually, that leads me to I'm you know I've heard some advice and it's. Some people can abide by it, which is, you know, like center yourself and meditate and, you know, pause, focus on the good. I can't do any of that right now. I'm just, I'm just not that big of a person. So I'm going to tell you exactly what I do to survive because it's, it's been rough going. Um, I have an, I have a book, like an audible book. It's called um, Mythos. It's Greek mythology. Um, the voice oh, the is very soothing. stories. Yeah, like, and so I just, I just listen to that <laughs> until I go to sleep. It's, it's, it's very soothing. Um, I have a heated eye mask. What are you doing to stay calm and at peace with the world? 
It's not as bad as I made it sound, actually. I have been going on incredibly long walks and listening to podcasts or listening to music and getting to know my neighborhood better than I probably ever would have. Yeah, it's just been, it's like, it's something that when I found it, it suddenly like something clicked and I was like, okay, I can make it through this. And it's the only time I get away from my family in any way, like love them very much, but we have a small house and they're always there. And I take half my conference calls with a three-year-old sitting on my lap, like waving to people and um, like asking me why I'm still on this call. So it it's nice to have that time at the end of the day. And I take, I take a lot of time. I go on like hour long plus walks. And I know that's not feasible for everyone, but we've got to find like the thing that takes you out of just drudging through COVID because I don't, like, I can't believe it's July. My brain is stuck in March and I'm having the hardest time believing any time has passed. The year has just, is getting away from me because every day there's nothing to look forward to and it's hard to know the time is even passing. So like, we have to take ourselves out of that. You can't think on it every minute of every day. Um, it's, it's too much to ask anyone to do. And that's why like, we got to just set the standards for like, the four things that we're going to do to protect ourselves and the one or two things we're going to do to bring ourselves mental centering and hope and um, peace and escapism from what's happening and not put any additional pressure there. So like you don't need to be like the skinniest you've ever been at the end of this and you don't need to like finally write the novel that you've always been working on. You can just like set the goal of like taking care of yourself in whatever way makes sense to you. And at the end of this, if you have survived it, whether you did a perfect job at self-care or whether you did a like patchy spotty job at self-care, you did a great job. You're doing great. Like whoever's you are that, alive. You're, you're doing, doing great. great. Like that's the bar is alive. Um, Megan, you're doing great. I hope so. I doubt that though, but I will give you some more coping me- mechanisms of mind. I also listen to TikTok. Anytime that I feel like I like dealing with too much bad news, I'll go look on TikTok. So Gen Z, I know that you're like, oh, I'm a millennial. I'm too old for this. Or maybe you're Gen Z and you're like, oh yeah, like obviously she's so old. Why is she lo- looking at TikTok? I'll tell you why. Gen Z, they are so angry. They are so savage and so bitter and I am here for it. I'm like, Yes. <laughs> Yes, like I love your energy. Like it's so like like tumultuous. I don't know what's going on with you guys, but I'm here to watch it all the time. So there's that. Um, I also go for long walks. Um, but actually, I also got a hula hoop. Which really? Yeah, because I I, I don't uh, like whenever I'm working through the day. I, sometimes I don't have time. I I can't even take like that. I, I can't go for a go walk, and I'll get like 15 phone calls. But I can like hula hoop for for like a like a minute or so. It's really hard. I got a weighted one. I'm very bad at hula hooping. Like so, this isn't like oh, like I'm a master hula hoop. Like I can't hula hoop for anything, and that's what makes it kind of fun. It's because I'm like I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm trying to hula hoop, which is a very basic thing that most children can do, but I can for some reason. And um, there's a list. It's supposed to like help your your waist or whatever, but like so the last thing. You're going to see a lot of like YouTube videos and influencers and I don't know, people just saying to focus on your art and to like basically like look at me, I'm quarantoning, I'm doing better than you and like good for them, I guess. 
But Fuck if them. they are bothering you, just just on yeah, unfollow them. Like you don't you don't have to live your life comparative to other people. And maybe this is a good life lesson for all of us. You know, we we've lived in this world where we've been constantly comparing ourselves against like these like digital like versions of people. And now it's their job to say like make it look like they're handling life pretty well because they have to sell you things. They're not handling things any better than you. And they're really I get really mad whenever I see it because I I just feel like it's so insensitive. Especially whenever I feel like some of them are trying to like monetize like the suffering from the protests and the suffering from COVID. There there's a level of sensitivity and I think that's an excellent message. Yeah. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna wear your face covering, you're gonna keep your space, you're gonna find a way to keep your sanity. And you're going to listen to us because we're going to do our best to bring you more content as we go into the second, quote unquote, because come on, guys, it's the first wave of this. um, And we all end up locked down again, I guess. Who knows what's going to happen? But uh, but we're going to do our best. (laughs) 2020 wins. I can already call it right now. Um, But yes, and then the next couple of episodes are going to be pretty exciting because Megan has to go save Texas. So she's going to be in and out, but she's going to record one more episode with me before she pieces out for like a little bit. And then uh, we're going to have a guest star from some data people uh, to talk about data and COVID. It's going to be interesting. We're going to miss Megan dearly. I probably will call her every week crying for her to come back because I just miss her already. It's going to be hard. Yeah. Don't unsubscribe. I plan to be back. I'll pop in every once in a while. I know. I know I'm the Megan you're here for. (laughs) That could possibly be true. I'm the whiny one right now. But even if you, even if she tries to get out of it, like, come on, guys. I'm not going to let that happen. She's my co-host for life. I <laughs> you signed the blood. You, you signed the contract in blood like you do with, like, the like like the Little Mermaid. Like, you signed in blood. Oh, the devil and Ursula. Yeah. Wait, did they, did they sign in blood in the Little Mermaid? Or is that just my memory? Honestly, I don't recall. Um... We tried to watch The Little Mermaid, but Wes thought the shipwreck at the beginning was too scary. So that was that was the end of that. Also, sign it about The Little Mermaid. Eric the Prince. Like, why did she, like, leave her entire... She goes a princess in her own right. He, all we know about him was he was a yeah. really bad was, captain and killed his entire ship. Special. Choose better, girls. That's another thing. Be better. Don't be Ariel. <laughs> and that's why I have to say that. 